I'm giving you now God's provision to keep you and me from sinning. The first thing is the Word of God. We've already mentioned that. And the second thing is the indwelling Spirit. The indwelling Spirit. And He comes to plead our cause. I would suggest Romans 8, 26 and 27. We do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God, and He, our Lord in glory, who knows the mind of the Spirit, is also what? Praying for us. Talk about provision. The Spirit of God indwelling us prays for us. The Lord on the throne is praying for us. What for? Fellowship. Fellowship. The Lord's ministry in heaven is for us to walk with him in fellowship. Hebrews 7.25, you remember that one? Wherefore he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Romans 8.34, yeah, the same thing. He not only redeems us and keeps us, but he maketh intercession for the saints. Uh, John chapter 17 is full of it. Take verse 9, for example. I pray not for the world. I pray for those whom thou hast given to me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. I pray not for the world. I pray for those whom thou hast given me. Our name, the unchanging word, reflects the fact that the eternal word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Our study in the spiritual life for the one trusting in the Lord, Jesus Christ, continues. And the provisions of God for the Christian are reviewed, and one of those is being kept from sinning. Now, another provision is restoration of fellowship with the Savior. Dr. Mitchell shares Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Here, the Holy Spirit intercedes for the believer in Christ. Now, likewise, the Lord Jesus himself, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, and John chapter 17, he also now intercedes for us two persons of the Trinity interceding for us. Dr. Mitchell presents where our Lord said he would pray for Peter that his faith would not fail, Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse 31. And even though Peter did fail by denying the Lord, yet his faith in Christ did not fail. He loved the Lord Jesus, and Jesus recommissioned Peter to follow him, to feed his sheep, and to tend his lambs, John chapter 21, verse 15. So on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, let's listen to Dr. Mitchell beginning in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. All right. So the first, I'm giving you now God's provision to keep you and me from sinning. The first thing is the Word of God. We've already mentioned that. And the second thing is the indwelling Spirit. The indwelling Spirit. And He comes to plead our cause. I would suggest Romans 8, 26 and 27. Uh, remember that passage? We do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God, and he, our Lord in glory, who knows the mind of the Spirit, is also what? Praying for us. 
Talk about provision. The Spirit of God indwelling us prays for us. The Lord on the throne is praying for us. What for? Fellowship. Fellowship. Which, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm moving now into the third thing, the R.C. The Lord's ministry in heaven is for us to walk with him in fellowship. Hebrews 7.25, you remember that one? Uh, wherefore he ever liveth to make intercession for us. The marvelous verse. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Romans 8.34. Yeah, the same thing. He not only redeems us and keeps us, but he maketh intercession for the saints. Uh, John chapter 17 is full of it. I pray, take verse 9, for example. I pray not for the world. I pray for those whom thou hast given to me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. I pray not for the world. I pray for those whom thou hast given me. Uh, let me come back to Peter. Jesus said to Peter in Luke 22. If you want the verses, by the way, uh, verses, it starts at verse 31. <clears throat> Simon, Satan desires to have you, to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And then you have the steps down. Let me just be brief. Peter said, Lord, <laughs> you, you can't count on Tom or the rest. By the way, I'm adding to it. You get the idea. You can show kind on old Peter. <laughs> Lord, I'll die for you. Whatever these other fellows will do, I'll die for you. Peter, the Lord says, well, you will. Before this night is up, you'll deny me three times. Huh? What when he steps down? First of all, boasting, self-confidence. Sure count on me, Lord. I'll, if everybody else leaves you, you can sure count on old Peter. Self-confidence, the first thing. The second thing was he's, he slept when he should have prayed. Do you want to follow through with me on that? All right, open your Bibles to Luke, Luke 22. I think it would be a good thing. Tell me quoting them all. It starts in verse 31. Verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that my, your faith fail not. And when you turn round, when you converted, strengthen the brethren. And he said, this is first step down now. He said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both into prison and to death. And the Lord said, I tell you, Peter, the cock shall not fall this day before that thou hast thrice Deny me that you that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Then you go on down to uh, down to verse verse forty-five. Your memory took Peter, James, and John into the garden of Gethsemane. Now, Lord, agonized. Luke tells us about the agony more than the other the other three gospels. From verse forty-two, you remember the Father. If you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And so on. Verse 44, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. 
And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them what? Sleeping. It's easier to sleep than it is to pray. Did you ever get down to pray and fall asleep? Anybody not guilty of that? Let me say who does. Anybody not guilty of that? I, I, I plead guilty. Sometimes I start to pray and first, you know, I'm sleeping away. The old body can't take it, you know. It's easier to sleep than it is to pray. At the second step down, he slept when he should have prayed. Verse 50, the third step down. And one of them, when he came in the garden, you know, one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Who was that? John tells us in his gospel, it was Peter took the sword off and chopped the fellow's ear out. Manifestation of flesh. Let's get it now. First of all was what? Self-confidence. Second thing, he stepped when he should have prayed. Third thing, got to make a show, you know. Manifestation of flesh. Chopped the fellow's ear off. Not, by the way, don't tell me that Peter's a good swordsman. He wailed away to get the head. And all he got was the ear. You see, he's a fisherman, you know. He's not a swordsman. Uh, that's the third step down. Now you go on down to, to verse, uh, verse 54. And they took Jesus and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter what? Followed afar off. How close are you following to the Savior? Peter followed afar off. Verse 55, the fifth step down. He sat down among the enemies of Christ as if he was one of them. You know that? And then the sixth thing was in verse 57. You remember in verse 56, a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire, earnestly looked upon him and said, this man was also with him. And he denied, saying, woman, I don't even know him. Verse 58. After a little while, another saw him and said, thou art also of them. Peter said, man, I'm not. Verse 59, about the space of one hour after, another confidently affirmed, saying, of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he's a Galilean. Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, the cock crew. Now, verse 61, please mark. And the Lord turned and looked on Peter. Verse 62, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. You know, young people, I'll, let me just say this. It's so easy. You don't intend to do these bad things, but one thing leads to another. First thing, you go down the drain. We're all guilty. I plead guilty to that. We're all guilty. We, in our hearts, we want to please the Lord. And something else comes in like, dear Peter, Lord, self-confidence. Trust me, Lord. Slept when he should have prayed. Sat down with the enemies of Christ. Denied his Lord three times. And the Lord turned and looked on Peter. I forgot one there. A manifestation of flesh when he topped the fellow's ear off, you know. That was religious zeal, by the way. When he defended the Lord. Yes, sir, he's going to defend the Lord. All right. But the Lord was praying for Peter. I prayed for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. 
That's why I give you that passage in Hebrews 7, 25. Uh, he ever liveth to make intercession for us. I think I would put down Hebrews 9.24 also in that same connection. He now appears in the presence of God for us. He's my representative before God. If I were teaching Hebrews, I would like to do that. And take chapter 9.24. He now appears in the presence of God for us. Verse 26, he appeared once in the end of the age to put away sin. That's his past work. Now his present work. He's my representative. If somebody were to stand before God and say, whatever your name is, Mitchell, whatever it may be, is that your child? Look what he's doing. And the Lord turned and says, can you find fault with my son, Jesus? He's in my son. He's representing me. He's representing you. And all the forces of hell can't stop him and his prayer and his representation for us and his praying for us. Wonderful thing. All right. The next thing. The next thing. God's provision to restore fellowship. God's provision to restore fellowship. Now, our, our responsibility then if we sin, that we confess our sin. And he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You remember I'm quoting from 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, through chapter 2, verse 2. If we confess our sins, whatever they are, he is faithful. Now please notice, he does not say faithful and loving. He does not say faithful and tender. He's faithful and righteous. When you're talking about sin, you've got to compare that with righteousness. God is righteous. But our Savior on the throne of grace for the marks of my sin upon him and his hands, his feet, and his side. And when this man Mitchell sins and confesses his sin, my Savior, my representative, he will forgive my sin and cleanse me. Please notice, he didn't just say he's going to forgive us, but he's going to cleanse us. Too many Christians, and I say this sadly, sin, and with a kind of a glib remark, oh, well, I'll confess it to the Lord. And they go out and do it again. That's not confession. That's not real confession. Real confession is not only confessing it to the Savior who loved you and died for you and represents you. But you've got to confess that with a great desire not to do it again. I know we have frailty and things come up, circumstance, and we do it again. But you don't want to do it again. You do it. You're weak. Hmm? That's because... You, Listen, young people, the danger with us, we get occupied with what we are doing for ourselves and forget him. And when you forget him, you walk in the flesh with all his desires. Might even be very uh, religious. But Christ is not the center of it. All right, our responsibility then is to confess our sins. I say this reverently, and it's God's responsibility 
to forgive us our sins. I say that kindly, reverently. If I mean business with God, he means business with me, and he's made the provision. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, just a minute. I must, I must do this. Put down these passages, and then I'll talk about it. John chapter 13. He took a towel and girded himself and washed the disciples' feet. Do you remember that? And Peter, when he came to Peter, Peter saw him. You're not going to wash my feet ever. No, sir, you're not going to wash my feet. Simon, if I wash you not, you have no part with me. Well, Lord, if it means that, do the whole business. That's like Peter, isn't it? And the Lord's answer was, he that is bathed needeth not but save to wash his feet. is clean every way. Now, I'd like to use two, an Old Testament passage. I'm going to mark this one especially. Exodus 17 and Numbers 20. I wonder if I could use this. Can you see that? All right. Exodus 17. Now, at the cross... We were bathed. He put away our sin by the sacrifice of himself. Exodus 17, the rock was smitten for us. Remember that? They were thirsty in the wilderness. And uh, Moses said, they're ready to kill me. Well, you take the rod in your hand and smite the rock, and it shall give its water to you. Now, in Numbers, in Numbers chapter 20, Numbers chapter 20, they've, they've gone along their way. And they fail again. And Moses came before God, and God said to him, Speak to the rock. Now, remember, Exodus 17, that's the, the cross, the work of Christ. Numbers 20, he's on the throne. Now, please mark. God said to Moses, Speak to the rock, and it will give forth its water. Moses smote the rock the second time, and God said, because you disobeyed me, you shall not enter the land. Now Moses took Israel out of Egypt to bring them into the land. That's what God said. But now Moses... And three times Moses pled with God for him to go into the land. And God says, no, because you made my name a reproach at the waters of Meribah. You were to speak to the rock. Now, let's bring it down to ourselves. At the cross, we were bathed. Is that right? And you and I failed down here. Is that right? Anybody who doesn't say, I want to see you. Now, when we Christians sin, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't go back to the cross. He's no longer on the cross. He's on the throne. So we confess our sins. The sinner comes to the cross and is saved. But the believer goes to the throne in confession for fellowship. We go to the cross and we have life 
He put away our sin by the sacrifice of himself. But as a believer, I'm down here on earth and I have failed thee. You and I fail God at times, don't we? So we confess our sins. We go to the throne. So I say in numbers, it's important to God. I say that reverently. Moses wanted to smite the rock the second time. And you know, I've met people today who believe you can be saved and lost. As one woman said to me one time, Mitchell, I've been baptized six times. I'm going to be baptized a seventh time if I need it. I said, you mean you've been saved six times? Yep. Then you keep Christ on the cross. He's no longer on the cross. He's on the throne. I'm talking about fellowship. I'm talking about a spiritual life. I can't hang around the cross. It's finished the job. My Savior's on the throne. That's why our Lord said in John 13, he that is bathed at the cross, we get our feet dirty. So we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Go on with God. You see, our hearts, we've already been to the cross, crucified together with him. Our life as a sinner came to an end with his children. We're called saints, holy ones. But now I go to the throne. My Savior's on the throne. He's not on the cross. Have I made myself clear to you? Yeah. Is it clear to you? How many are saved? How many fail God? What do you do when you fail God? Don't keep putting it off. The moment you realize you fail God, confess it right away. So your fellowship with him will not be broken. He were joined to the man in the glory. We're joined to a risen Christ. You get that very clear in your mind. God would like, I'd like to finish very quickly where God would have the life of his son lived out through us right while we're down here on earth. If men want to see God today, they must see it in action through you and me. That's why he indwells us. And to me, the marvelous thing gets my heart when I think of it. To keep the universe going in its order, he just speaks. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He just speaks and it's done. Well, what's he doing on the throne of God? Praying for you, praying for me, representing you, representing me. And the thing that God wants of you and me is intimate fellowship. This is the spiritual life, the enjoyment of Christ himself. When you realize that you've grieved his heart, you've done something you know you shouldn't do, you grieve his heart, go right to him. Confess your sin. He's faithful, he's just, righteous, to forgive you your sin, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You know, I was going to talk for a while, now, and I didn't do it. But you think about it. What happens when you sin? You ever stop to think of it? Your effect on weaker believers. What happens to the world when you sin? What happens to Satan when you sin? You give him a ground for rejoicing. Ha, ah, look at your children, what they're doing. The most thing is you grieve the heart of our Savior. Let's walk with him today, shall we?
Let's walk with the Savior today. And that we be channels of blessing to our present generation. God knows we need it. All right? Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.